Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, this is Alan Clark at the Hollies, and you're listening to Pantheon Podcast. History in five songs. With host Martin Popoff. A production of Pantheon Podcasts. Let's rock out with Martin. Yes, indeed. Welcome back for another episode of History in Five Songs with Martin Popoff, brought to you by the good people at Pantheon Podcast. We are part of the vast and growing Pantheon Podcast Network. We're available on Spotify, iTunes, and over 40 other podcast platforms. But yes, I notice uh, most people are listening to this show on Spotify. Very cool. Um, All right. So this episode, uh, this is episode 95. We're going to be calling this Rough Patch Successes. Um, Bit of a story here. Uh, We did a uh, Patreon uh, exclusive get together uh, for our uh, YouTube video show, um, The Contrarians, last night. And uh, this was uh, basically an idea that came out of kind of a grab bag discussion of a lot of different things. But uh, it was just sort of a, a trend and not exactly an idea for the contrarians or for history in five songs that was brought up by uh, Ben Nicastro about this um this idea of bands that uh triumphed with a with a pretty decent album even though they were going through a rough patch so i uh, i instantly sort of glommed onto that idea and said ben give me permission to uh do this one and he gave me the thumbs up so uh so this is uh thanks to ben that we've got this idea i thought it was pretty cool and then i i asked hey does anybody have any examples and we went through some examples some you know i would have probably come up with or uh definitely am going to include and i will I will name check to guys as we do that. Um, but other ones um, that I thought, eh, I may, I may have something better for this one, uh, whatever. Um, so, uh, so yeah, so we've got five examples here of bands going through a rough patch and, and coming up with a, with a pretty damn good album, uh, despite what was going on. And I've got some honorable mentions as well. Um, so yeah, this, uh, this will have some, some rich, uh, examples, uh, to this situation. So let's get, uh, let's get going with our first track here. Um, take a listen to this. This is Genesis with Dance on a Volcano. Faster than that to get to the top. Dirty old mountain, all covered in smoke. She could turn you to stone, so 
All right, so this uh, actually was a choice brought up, suggested by Ben Nicastro. Um, so what we have here is Genesis uh, releasing an album in February 96 after their last album was way back a year and a half earlier. Granted, it was a double. November of 1974, uh, The Lamb Lies Down on Broadway, always voted um, the second greatest progressive rock album of all time. Um, the big deal here, of course, is the band was losing their front man, uh, their vocalist, their kind of visual focal point, uh, given all the, you know, elaborate theatrics and costuming uh, in Peter Gabriel. Um, and, you know, obviously this is definitely uh, the definition of a rough patch. Uh, they actually went and tried out a bunch of different front men and, uh, and weren't, weren't sort of uh, finding anybody. And then one day, their drummer, Phil Collins, went and sung Squonk, and they all thought, wow, oh, this is pretty amazing. This guy's pretty good. And and the uh, the thing I've always just marveled at with Genesis is how, uh, you know, Peter Gabriel has a pretty distinct voice, as does Phil, and yet they're kind of similar to each other. So we've got two distinct voices that turned out to be fairly similar to each other. Um, and obviously, Phil went on to be an amazing, amazing vocalist through a ton of Genesis albums, and they went on through to uh, to great success. This album itself was a big success. The critics loved it. Um, and uh, and they had been in, uh, you know, upwards to the tune of $400,000 in debt. And this album and the success of this album uh, went a long ways to paying off a lot of that debt. Um, but yeah, P Peter uh, had decided to leave halfway through uh, the previous tour. Steve Hackett, who is on this album, still in the band at this point, um, but soon not to be, uh, he had already made a solo album. And, uh, and even Tony Banks had a bunch of songs ready to go for a solo album, but uh, he decided to channel those songs back into this situation. Uh, Peter Gabriel had dropped by to, and, and was surprised at how uh, they had pulled an iron out of the fire, so to speak, and how good this album was. Um, it's got excellent, excellent David Henschel production on it. Um, so all told, it's a, it's a triumph. Dance on a Volcano, Entangled, Squonk, Madman Moon, Robbery, Assault, and Battery, um, which actually that one kind of points to the uh, the the kind of pop configured uh, direction of the later stuff I thought was pretty cool. Some really good mellow stuff on here. Ripples, A Trick of the Tail, Los Endos. Um, you know, Phil, Phil isn't uh, super high in the songwriting credits. Um, and this was the first album where they where they actually kind of broke up the credits. It was a, was a band credit before. Um, but a lot of uh, a lot of Banks and Rutherford on here. Uh, a lot of Mike Rutherford writing, Tony Banks, um, Steve Hackett really doesn't figure super high in the credits. Um, so yeah, pretty interesting. But it turned out to be a, a great album. Everybody loved it. Cool album cover art, hypnosis cart artwork, um, and Genesis was on their way. So this is definitely an example of a a rough patch success. All right, let's move on to our number two selection. Take a listen to this. This is Aerosmith with Chiquita. All right, so there you go. Um, this was uh, last night when we talked about um, uh, contrarian choices. Everybody, uh, you know, in in the little gathering had to pick a contrarian choice. You know, in in um, 
in sort of uh, you know the the spirit of what the uh, what the main show is uh, is for the Contrarians our video show and uh, and Tim Derling um, from New Brunswick uh, he he's actually been a guest on on the Contrarians as well they did a Queensrÿch episode he picked this as a Contrarian choice uh, and he says you know it, it may not be the greatest uh, Aerosmith album I mean most people agree on rocks but anyways. Um, I I thought um, yeah maybe someone mentioned this but it is a perfect choice for a a, a rough patch album right um, so what happens is that you know a lot of drug problems a lot of fighting in the band um, Steven Tyler is having a hard time coming up with any lyrics um, they're actually recording the music they still don't have lyrics everybody's fighting. Jack Douglas um, is producing to begin with, um, and he's going through a divorce, uh, uh, and the band actually all likes his wife, so there's trouble there, and Jack is eventually out of the situation. Joe Perry gets ticked off. He's out of the situation. Um, You know, they had worked on a fair bit of that. Um, He had done guitar parts for, uh, no surprise, Chiquita, Cheesecake, Three Mile Smile, and Bone to Bone, Coney Coney Island, Whitefish Boy. but uh, but then uh, you know once he blazes out of the scene, uh, Jimmy Crespo replaces him and and does some more work on the album. And the funny thing about this record, there's really no credits that that really sort all this out for you in it. But um, and then Gary Lyons comes in, um, kind of a weird choice for an Aerosmith producer, but he comes in and finishes the job, and it's a great sounding Aerosmith album. Um, I'm not sure who we should give credit to for that. Eventually, Steven Tyler did come up with the lyrics. Um, you know, no surprise was really cool um, because it kind of goes through the the origins of the band. Uh, Mia was a lullaby he wrote for uh, for his daughter on the piano. Reefer had a woman a cover an old forties tune. Remember Walking in the Sand? I I totally like that song. I mean, it's it's fine, but it's a it's a cover, kind of an old doo woppy sort of thing. But uh, but the likes of Chiquita and Cheesecake, um, you know. Joe Perry had mentioned, and I thought this was kind of an insightful thing. He said that the guitar interplay, that that Ron Wood, Keith Richards sort of thing between him and Brad Whitford, he thought was getting even better and better. And this is some of the best examples of that. And I I totally agree. There's some really arcane, interesting riffs on this. Pretty heavy album. They got the cover of the Yard Yardbirds uh, Think About It on it. I play this album all the time. I, I like it more than Draw the Line, absolutely squarely more than Draw the Line. Um, and it's really, really close for me whether it's the second best Aerosmith album uh, kind of tied with Toys uh, toys in the Attic, Rocks. Rocks is unassailable, I think, is the first one. Um, but uh, no, great album. Not crazy about the album cover art. Uh, you know, it's so drab and black and obviously they're all covered in, you know, it's, it's the mind thing. Night in the ruts, right in the nuts, haha, and all that. Um, but no, the logo's not there and it's all kind of like painted on the rocks. It's just, just kind of really kind of depressing looking. But uh, but no, it's uh, so it had this very fragmented, uh, you know, hard to put together thing. Um, and you know, Joe Perry's basically out of the band, even though he's officially he is in the in the photo, and he's on he's on more than half the album, I suppose. Um, but no, there you go. Uh, I think that's a great example of a a rough patch uh, success. Um, let's take a short break. We'll be right back. All right, back again, History in Five Songs with Martin Popoff, episode 95, Rough Patch Successes. Let's take a listen to our third selection here, and we shall discuss. This is Max Webster with Check.
All right. This was a Tim Derling suggestion for for a good rough patch success, and I thought it was a great example. Um, Max Webster never made a bad album. They're all eights, nines, and tens kind of thing, I think. Um, but when it came to their last album, they were really running out of steam. Kim Mitchell was quite cynical about uh, this band ever making it. Um, they, you know, they'd been supported um, by Rush, who took them out on tours. Uh, you know, they're all in the same office. Long story there. I, I um. I don't think I ever did an episode on this, but anyways, um, so, so they're like the baby rush. They're part of the same management Rush is taking them out as, as a support act, etc. But you know, things are just not breaking for them. They're kind of going over everybody's heads. They're a little bit strange. Obviously I love Max Webster, my favorite Canadian band of all time. Um, but uh, so they come to this last album. First of all, they've got Jack Richardson producing. I don't think Jack was all that great a producer. Um, you know, he's known for Guess Who and whatnot. Uh, I, I don't think he did a great job on on uh, Stars Coliseum Rock. Um, but uh, but he's producing, and I actually think the 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 sound of this album is is pretty good. It's got it's got the big billowy sort of seventies um, uh, uh, hi fi heavy metal production that you get on the likes of something like a Pat Travers uh, heat in the streets, which Pat doesn't like. I love the production of that album. Um, so I think it sounds like that. It sounds like a big stadium rock album. Um, but what else about this being rough patch? Um, the band is pretty broke. They're really not making any money. They don't have very much money. Um, the big thing that happens here though, is Terry Watkinson, the keyboardist is gone kind of, he he starts he starts he's on one track but he's gone essentially he's replaced by uh you know Doug Riley old Canadian legend doing some piano some clavinet actually some synth and then David Stone um you know uh somewhat notorious for his little run in um uh Rainbow on uh, on Lo- Long Live Rock and Roll in that tour um but he's he's in uh, he's in as keyboardist on here as well. Um, and then it, this has the the infamous really cool track, um, Battle Scar, where it's uh, all the Max guys and all the Rush guys together doing a song, this big, heavy, epic, really cool song. You know, Getty and uh, and Kim duetting on the vocals and Neil's in there drumming and, and Gary's in there drumming. Um, so yeah, so the big deal is Terry Watkinson is their keyboardist, but not only the keyboardist, he's also occasional singer and he's a quite prolific songwriter in the band as well. So he's gone and we're missing that. Pai Dubois, uh, gladly, um, you know, fortunately is there still doing all the lyrics. The lyrics are amazing. Um, but it's a good heavy album. Um, it's quite a heavy album. Uh, although I lo- do like, uh, blue, blue river, uh, liquor shine, April in Toledo. Um, April, yeah, April in Toledo. Uh, but yeah, it's got some great songs on it in the world of giants. Uh, this, this is one of the cooler rockin' or songs check. Um, so yeah, I think they pulled an iron out of the fire as well and uh, and made a totally different album to their previous albums, uh, especially given that the previous album, A Million Vacations, is probably uh, their lightest album. Um, so it's the least heavy rockin' album, least, you know, guitar with distortion pedal on it, as it were. Uh, and this is their heaviest album. So so Max Webster closed out their, um, their you know, short career, uh, short, but uh, they did have a live album, a greatest hits album, and one, two, three, four, five, five studio albums. 
Um, so it, it, it was a nice run. They're all amazing albums, but this last one is actually a pretty heavy album for them. So I think, I think they, uh, succeeded. Gary McCracken is, is great drumming on here. He gets great sound out of those, those storied, notorious, awesome tuned toms that he had. Dave Miles is in on bass. He does a good job. Uh, and then Kim. So yeah, so essentially what you're looking at here is, uh, is, uh, a four piece band, I suppose, um, uh, as opposed to the usual five piece, but they but they do triumph even though the band is crashing in flames. And then after this, they were pretty much done. They had this slow, painful fade, where, you know, it becomes Kim Mitchell as a solo artist, and he does those amazing, amazing five tracks on that EP, which is the greatest EP of all time. But there's also some going out as Max Webster, some revolving lineup, some different guys coming in. But yeah, they they never made another album uh, as Max Webster. There you go. All right, so let's move on. Um, take a listen to this. This is our fourth selection here on History in Five Songs. This is Aerosmith once again with Joni's Butterfly. <laughs> All right, so we've got Aerosmith in here twice. This is from Rock in a Hard Place, issued August 27th, 1982. Um, this is produced by Jack Richardson. Um, and what you have here is uh, Aerosmith going through even more of a, of a rough patch or a different kind of rough patch, I suppose. Um, at this point, Steven's still a mess, um, you know, still hard coming up with lyrics. They've had they've had kind of bad shows. They've had kind of a more patchy work situation for the last little while. Um, but what happens is they come back with this album in 82. So remember, their last studio album was now 1979. It's, it's, it's three years ago, right? But a, an amazing record. I wanted to play you my favorite song on it, which is kind of a proggy melody. Hello, poppy, um, mystical sort of song, this Joni's Butterfly. You know, it's got prelude to Joni, which is really cool, uh, leads up to it. But it's also got your regular, you know, kick-ass songs on it. Lightning Strikes is really cool. Um, Jailbait's kind of like an OTT heavy one on here. Bolivia Ragamuffin's just their usual kind of thing. So is Bitches Brew. Uh, Cry Me a River is a, is a cover, and it's it's eh, one of those one of those ballad kind of things, bluesy ballad. Um, but uh, Rock in a Hard Place, Cheshire Cat is cool. Jig is up. Push comes to shove. Um, and so the interesting thing on here, Brad Whitford was actually part of the situation uh, early on, but he left after doing Lightning Strikes, which is a really cool song. Our band in the 80s, Torque, we actually covered that song. We did that song. Um, but there's no Joe Perry on this album at all. Um, and, uh, and if you look at the back cover, they've got uh, Rick Dufay pictured but doesn't play he came in after the album was recorded and the 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 guy the hero saving the entire situation and making this kind of a like uh, a a link where things could have gone bad but a link to uh i would say three more pretty darn solid aerosmith albums in the 80s although he isn't on them um but yeah after this they do done with mirrors and permanent vacation and pump which are all good albums um but uh, Jimmy Crespo is the guy uh, writing 
every single song on here, in fact. Um, I guess he's not he's not credited on Push Comes to Shove, Prelude to Joni, which is only a minute 21 intro, and the cover. But he's on every single other song. Uh, Richie Supa is on, um, credited uh, with Lightning Strikes. Remember him from Chip Away the Stone. Uh, Jack Douglas even gets a credit on Joni's Butterfly, probably because that's such a production tour de force. Um, but yeah, Jimmy Crespo is the guy doing all the guitars and really saving this situation and making this a really good Aerosmith album. It sounds great. It sounds exactly in terms of the the personality and complexion and the product mix of all the different styles, you know, which with within fairly tight parameters. But, um, you know, the formula that you get certainly across everything from Get Your Wings up to uh, this album, um, the 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 mix of styles and uh, and the amount of time they spend on all those styles is pretty much equal throughout all all of those albums and uh, and that's why this uh this feels like you know a perfectly normal really cool aerosmith album so there you go i think uh i think this is a rough patch success as well all right let's move on our fifth and last selection here uh in terms of rough patch successes take a listen to this this is white snake with dancing girls Right, so um, I love this album. I, we actually did a Contrarians episode, a regular Contrarians, where you know someone has to uh, believe that their favorite album by a band is a Contrarian choice, and I actually picked this as my favorite White Snake album of all time, Saints and Sinners, November twenty fifth, nineteen eighty two. So here's a situation again where the band is more or less in shambles. It's going to be blown to pieces. Uh, David Coverdale's even going to going to leave the. UK and move move to the states. Uh, he's going to hook up with John Kalodner. They're going to get a new deal with Geffen, and they're going to go on to some pretty incredible success with a very different sounding band. But um, this is kind of the last throws of their bad deal with John Coletta. You know, notorious Deep Purple. Um, you know, r- related um, manager. Uh, you know, th- there's no money. Mickey Moody had already left the band, but he comes back for this album. Bernie, um, you know. While they were working on it, they, you know, he, at one point he looked at Dave and said, are we just going to knock this thing on the head? This is, you know, this is not working out. This band is in trouble. Um, You know, and I think David was looking for a whole uh, kind of like a redo in terms of the people in the band, although more so he just wanted success, I think. Um, But um, it it is going to happen. Um, But. I think I think more the redo, I suppose, uh, in what he wanted to have happen is just to get out of the bad deals. This this you know the the record deal with Liberty and the management deal with John Coletta, and just just get this whole thing fixed. So, but um, they make a cracking album. I love this record. Um, I think. I think Ian Pace does an incredible job on this record. I think John Lord does an incredible job on this record. Um, 
you know, you've got you've got a lot of sort of um, cool Hammond stuff uh, from the Deep Purple days. You get a really crisp production, even though this was recorded uh, on a mobile at Clearwell Castle and a few other places, Battery, etc. Um, but you know, even that's a hodgepodge. The putting it together was a hodgepodge. the uh, The album cover is not very good. Um, I always thought uh, it's Saints ampersand Sinners, and I always thought it it should have been Saints and A N Sinners. So it's so it matches the come and get it and the ready and willing, right? Um, but even they screw that up. It's got just this stupid looking picture of just David on the back. It's just everything about it is kind of a mess, except for what you get in the grooves, so to speak. I think it's a really vibrant, cool, uh, full of life uh, White Snake album. I think it's the best album of that of that middle period before the American period and and the post. Um, bluesy and funky period where they're where they're kind of honing it down but um of course the other amazing thing about this record is that uh it does have the original versions of crying in the rain and uh, here i go again which would be two of their massive massive hits and those are the songs that john kalodner says okay i'll work with this band on one condition we have to bring those two songs forward and i'm and i'm going to redo them and we're going to turn them into massive hits so that was one of the genius things about john kalodner um if that story is absolutely accurate but yeah you get these two super super strong songs and i believe they're even better in these versions because they're just a little more raw and simpler and and stripped back um but Dancing Girls that I played you here is the ninth out of 10 tracks on this album. So it's late on side two and it's amazing, super heavy. But my favorite um, White Snake song of all time is on this record and that's the opening track, Young Blood. Amazing, amazing song. So much bite to it. Really, really cool groove to it. But Rough and Ready's cool. Bloody Luxury is this driving boogie, barroom rocker, very, very infectious. Um, uh, Rock and Roll Angels is this sort of stonesy, charming sort of song. Um, Saints and Sinners is heavy, but it's got kind of a southern bluesy feel to it. Um, so yeah, just a good, heavy, raw rock and white snake album. Uh, and this is a band, you know, running low on batteries, uh, you know, pulling out an amazing record. And like I say, me, who actually wrote a white snake book, is telling you that this is the greatest white snake album of all time. All right. There you go. Um, let me see. Let me uh, let me move my notes around here. Um, so that is those are our five examples of rough patch successes. I wanted to do a couple of honorable mentions here. Ben Nicastro also suggested Led Zeppelin Presence and uh, Deep Purple Come Taste the Band. Um, pretty decent albums. I'm not I'm not haters of these albums. I don't think they're amazing amazing records. But of the two, I would say Come Taste the Band is more of a success in a in a, you know an equally rough patch. I mean Zeppelin had the rough patch with. Uh, the bad car accident and Robert Plant having to do all this sitting down. He smashed his foot and Jimmy Page isn't in great shape. And they they kind of put this thing together really fast. Come taste the band, obviously. Major drug problems with uh, with Glenn Hughes, but especially uh, Tommy Boland. So so the big thing here is Richie Blackmore's out of the band, and you know we're we're right at the breaking point of how many lineup changes can can the fans take. Um, but they pull out a pretty solid record that most Deep Purple fans probably probably like more than Stormbringer even. Um, probably not more than Burn, but definitely more than Stormbringer. And uh, it's a good heavy album, good solid album. So yeah, that's that's a band pulling something out of the fire. I thought an interesting choice would have been 
Black Sabbath sabotage with all that stuff with, uh, you know, going through all that uh, horrible, horrible um, situation with the with the Patrick Meehan management situation and being broke and wondering where all your money is and still having to make a record. And I think sabotage is possibly the greatest record of all time by anybody. I've said that before, kind of matched with Led Zeppelin physical graffiti, but um, you know, drugs and drink and all that stuff is is uh, is a problem, but. But also, um, you know, they're just they're just wondering like, where is all the money? You know, it's some of the excitement of the band, I suppose, had worn off at this point, and they were a little bit tired. You know, the excitement of the band. You know, probably if those guys looked back and said, "What was what was uh, our favorite time to be a part of Black Sabbath?" They probably would have said the likes of, uh, you know, Paranoid, Master of Reality. Um, you know, there's there's the drug cocaine album, you know, making volume four in, in um California. But Sabbath Bloody Sabbath, you know, I, I suppose things are getting a little weird and foggy and tired. It's still a great album. But you know, sabotage is kind of like that uh, as well. You know, and I, I often I, I sort of thought, is Heaven and Hell a, a rough patch album? I don't know if it is, because the rough patch gets over with pretty fast. They've got Ronnie in there and things they're they're pretty happy making that record. So I think um I don't think that that feels too much like a like a rough patch. I think they're in pretty good shape other than Bill Ward, um, whose drinking problems are getting pretty bad there. Um, you know, uh, Jamie Laszlo last night in the Contrarians Patreon thing mentioned Crosby, Stills and Nash, Daylight Again. Um, ben Castro mentioned David Bowie, Black Star. Uh, I thought that was a really poignant choice because talk about a rough patch. He knows he's dying at this point. Um, he was... He was um, uh, diagnosed with his cancer, I believe, in 2014, and he knew that he was just in in a bit of a race to get this thing finished. Although I hear he thought he had a few months left, and there are some demos of things where he was trying to make a follow up to that album as well. But yeah, definitely, definitely a rough patch album because he's doing this whole thing in secrecy. He's really, really sick, um, and and it's an amazing album, really, really cool album. Everybody loves it. I thought the damned machine gun etiquette you could put into this as well because the band essentially was broken up before they're kind of broken up after this is this is a weird one-off album and you know many people myself included consider it the greatest damned album of all time they're not getting along with Algie Ward um they're just not getting along period um there's a lot of fighting and uh but they still pull out this great album in 1979 um you know, amidst, uh, should we even be continuing this thing? Uh, f- last night, and Justice for All was mentioned, you know, losing Cliff Burton. Uh, Fleetwood Mac, Rumors was mentioned. Um, so far, so good. So what was mentioned? I don't know if I would uh, agree with that so much because it, it is considered probably, along with the debut of those early albums, you know, one of the not great albums. So possibly we shouldn't include it for that reason. Um you know, I really think something like Heart Passion Works uh, counts as a rough patch album because, uh, you know, the Heart's fortunes has got had gone down through Baby Lestrange, which was still pretty successful, but Private Audition was a failure. It didn't even certify gold, and here they are. Um, they're they're about to lose their deal. They they change their music and they're making kind of this nascent hair metal album uh you know very commercial but i thought it was a really successful version of that and i hate the the next bunch of hard albums but i love passion works um but it didn't even certify either which is amazing to me because i think it's just chock full of hits especially how can i refuse an allies which is actually a really good power ballad um you know, and later they would have terrible power ballads, I thought. Um, 
but um, and the production is amazing on this record. So I, I think that's a, uh, a a rough patch situation because Private Audition was a really rough patch. Um, a lot of lot of troubles making that record and personnel problems, and uh, and it wasn't a success at all. It was it was quite a bomb actually. So making a great album in Passion Works, I think, uh, is a good rough patch album. All right, there you go. Um, if you like this show and want to support uh, what I'm doing here, um, I don't have a Patreon. I just have Kofi, rhymes with no fee, uh, Kofi.com slash Martin Papa. There's a red support button there. Um, you know, people have been doing $3 and, well, you know, $6. 10, I, maybe I shouldn't go into it, but there's been some nice, generous contributions uh, there uh, as well. I don't I don't want to embarrass anybody, but... Um, but no, it's it's been it's been cool. Uh, and on that front, I, I do want to thank uh, Joe Becht, Bel Air Expediting, Black Sugar Transmission, and he actually redid our Contrarians theme music. I heard it for the first time last night. Very very cool. Um, so it's it's like a new power metal version of our Contrarians theme. That was kind of cool to hear. Uh, Bruce Campbell, uh, always a, always a, a generous supporter to this cause. David Fisher, Jeremy French, Kevin Latham, and Augustin Garcia de Paredes. Uh, you. Can can also go to martinpopoff.com um, for uh, for all the books I do. Uh, Rush Driven, I've still got copies of that. That's been a, a big seller. Uh, on on uh, down to the, about the last box and a half of Flaming Telepaths, uh, Imaginos uh, expanded and specified, and the print situation in that. So I've got a bunch of illustrations I did in that thirty nine of them, and I'm offering prints in the back of the book. Um, and, and an image key and a mystery print and all this kind of thing. And that's actually doing kind of good. So I actually went and uh, bit the bullet and got a supply of every single print. So those I can supply now. And I signed those with a gold pen and they're numbered 1 to 72. Um, and the suite and the angel book and various things there. Um, there you go. Uh, so go uh, listen to some of these records and realize uh, the you know the hard graft it was making some of these and the and the um, you know the bad situation pulling pulling a, a great record uh, out of a bad situation. Um, that's it for now. We shall uh, talk to you again next time. Find all of our shows, notes, social, and links at www.pantheonpodcast.com or wherever you listen to great podcasts. All songs can be found for purchase on iTunes, Spotify, or Google Play. Please purchase these great and important tracks. Find us on Facebook at The RNRAP. We are on Instagram at RNR Archaeology. Tweet us at RNR Archaeology. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett.
Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any fantasy points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that fantasy points has to offer. That's fantasypoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. Fantasypoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more fantasy points.